Chapter Nine of A Coin of Edward the Seventh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Coin of Edward the Seventh, Chapter Nine. A strange discovery. The offices of Asher, Son, and Asher were situated in a dark, narrow street in the city, which led down to the river in former days the place might have been respectable and then the original asher had set up his official tent in the neighbourhood but civilization had moved westward and terry street was looked on askance by fashionable solicitors nevertheless the firm of asher continued to dwell in the dingy office where their progenitors had slaved for close on a hundred years it was quite good enough thought the present head of the firm for such well-known lawyers the firm did a good old-fashioned business eminently respectable and safe none of the three partners was a sharper as morley asserted but as the firm had issued a judgment summons against the master of the elms he could scarcely be expected to think well of them old mr asher rarely came to the office preferring his country house and melon beds and the business was conducted by the son and the other asher who was a cousin both these gentlemen were over forty and in spite of a modern education were decidedly old-fashioned there was something in the musty air of the terry street office that petrified them into old men before their due time the three clerks who sat in the outer rooms were also elderly and the sole youthful creature about the place was the office-boy a red-haired imp who answered to the name of alexander his surname was benker but was not thought sufficiently dignified for use in so sedate a place of business with some difficulty steele found this musty haunt of the legal muse and sent up his name to the senior partner with a request for an interview alexander whistling between his teeth led him into a frowsy apartment lined with books and tin boxes and furnished with a green baize covered table heaped with legal papers three chairs and a mahogany sofa of the early victorian period mr asher the son might have belonged to the same epoch in spite of his age so rusty and smug did he look his face was clean-shaven with the exception of side whiskers his hair was thin on the top and sparse on the sides and he was dressed in a suit of solemn black with a satin tie to match in fact he was the typical lawyer of melodrama and steele was surprised to find so ancient a survival in these modern days but when they began to talk asher proved to be quite able to hold his own and was not at all fossilized in brain whatever he might be in appearance he knew not only the name of steele but all about the case and steele's connection therewith he referred in feeling terms to daisy's death a very charming girl mr steele said the young old lawyer on several occasions she has been here to draw her little income it is sad that she should have met with her death at the hands of a jealous woman at the very time she was about to enjoy a legacy of five thousand a year you don't say so cried steele who had heard nothing of this ah mr morley never informed you of the fact well no he didn't but then i have not seen him for over a week i believe he is at brighton with his wife who left this money to the late miss kent a relative of hers who died lately in australia and failing her who inherits mr asher reflected i don't know that you have any right to ask that question he said after a pause pardon me replied the detective miss kent was murdered 
i fancied that the money might have something to do with the commission of the crime no mr steele i read the evidence given at the inquest jealousy was the motive of the crime and miss denham is guilty i am somewhat of that way of thinking myself mr asher and on the face of it there is no other way of accounting for the murder nevertheless it is just as well to look at the matter from all sides the crime may be connected with the question of this fortune you may as well tell me what i wish to know i'll keep my mouth closed are you going to accuse our client of the crime asked asher dryly i fear you will waste your time if you do since you look at the matter in this way i don't mind speaking about what after all is not your business that is as it may be returned steele enigmatically asher passed this remark over failing miss kent the five thousand a year goes to george franklin a brother-in-law of the testator we lately received a letter from him informing us that he intended to claim the money how did he know that he would inherit we advertised for him he is quite unaware of the death of miss kent and i dare say thinks mr powell left the fortune to him direct you can't be certain of his ignorance however let us give him the benefit of the doubt where did he write from from florence in italy where he has lived for four years he will be in london next week and if you want to see him i'll think of it interrupted steele there may be no need to trouble mr franklin at present i am searching for this clerk of yours who went off with miss denham the lawyer raised his eyebrows with manifest surprise a clerk of ours mr steele i don't quite follow you i refer to the man who served a judgment summons on mr morley a boy served that explained asher the boy who showed you in steele stared hard at the solicitor trying to understand why he had made such a statement but that is absurd he remarked i know that nothing was said at the inquest about the matter as mr morley did not wish it to be known that he was in such difficulties but a tall man with a reddish beard dressed in a greatcoat with a white scarf served the summons afterwards he went to the midnight service in the parish church and lured miss kent outside by means of a note which we cannot find from what i have gathered this man went with miss denham in mr ware's motor-car he fled with her and i fancy he must be either the assassin or an accessory after the fact asher heard all this with extreme surprise when steele concluded he touched the bell alexander responded with his usual cheerful and impudent air his master addressed him with some severity what about that summons which was served by you on mr morley of rickwell he demanded the lad grew crimson to his ears and looked at the floor much embarrassed i served it all right sir he mumbled you served it struck in steele with emphasis that is quite untrue a tall man with a red beard served it alexander tell the truth what does this mean the boy began to sob and drew his coat-sleeve across his eye with a snuffle i thought it was all right he said or i should not have given it to him the summons you gave it to someone to serve yes sir to mr wilson mother's lodger is he tall has he a pale face and a red beard asked steele he has sir he's been with mother six months and was always kind when i got the summons he said that he was going into the country and would serve it on mr morley alexander 
said asher in an awful tone i gave you money for your railway fare to go to rickwell what have you done with that money wretched boy i went to the hippodrome with another boy wept alexander i thought as i'd take the holiday as you'd think i was in the country please sir i'm very sorry but i thought mr wilson was all right did mr wilson come back to say that all was right demanded steele sharply no sir he didn't mother and i ain't set eyes on him since he went away to serve the summons i was afraid to tell you sir he added to his master cause i knew i'd done wrong but i hope you won't be hard on me sir alexander said mr asher you have disgraced a most respectable office and can no longer continue in it you have spent money you have wasted time both given to you for a certain purpose for the sake of your mother who is a hard-working woman i shall not take any legal steps but from this day you cease to be in our employment your wages for the week shall be confiscated since you have made free with my money at five to-day alexander you leave this place for ever oh sir please sir i didn't alexander i have spoken you can depart with a howl the boy went out of the room and sat weeping in the outer office for at least ten minutes he was wondering what he should say to his mother for she was a terrible woman with a short temper and a hard hand his fellow clerks demanded what was the matter but alexander had sense enough to keep his own counsel all he said was that the governor had discharged him and then he wept afresh while thus employed steele made his appearance he had been discussing the matter with asher and had proposed a course of action in connection with the delinquent to which asher agreed he advanced to the weeping alexander and lifted him from his seat by the collar come young man said he take me home to your mother at once oh lor cried alexander she'll give me beans you deserve the worst beating she can give you said steele severely while the clerks grinned however you must come with me where do you live warder street lambeth snuffled alexander and urged by the hand on his collar went out of the office with the detective we'll take a hansom said steele and shortly was a constant one with the miserable alexander as a rule a ride in a hansom would have been a joy to master benker but he was too much afraid of the meeting with his mother to take any pleasure in the treat however he relied on the promise of the detective that he would soothe the maternal ire and managed to reply fairly well to the questions steele asked these referred to mr wilson who is he demanded the detective mother's lodger replied alexander he's been with her six months and mother thought a deal of him he was kind to me ah was he well off i don't know he paid his rent regular but he wore shabby clothes and was always out i only saw him at night when i came home from the office did he ask you many questions about the office oh yes he said he wished me to get on that i was a smart boy and a credit to my mother so you are answered steele genially i'm sure she'll give you a proof of her approval to-day now don't cry boy steele shook alexander and then demanded suddenly you copy all the letters do you not yes i do answered master benker wondering why this was asked 
and you read them sometimes nearly always i like to know what's going on mr wilson said i should make myself acquainted with everything i'm sure he did muttered steele ironically did you read any letter saying that miss kent had inherited a fortune miss daisy kent who lived with mr morley at rickwell alexander thought for a moment yes i did it was a letter to some lawyers in sydney did you tell mr wilson about it yes sir he was always talking about people coming in for money and i said that a girl called miss kent had come in for five thousand a year i thought so when did you tell mr wilson this three days after christmas before he offered to serve the summons why i hadn't got the summons then said alexander mr asher gave it to me the day before new year i said i was going into the country to rickwell for mr wilson asked me what i was making myself smart for he said he'd take the summons and that i could go to the hippodrome with jim tyler which you did on your employer's money you are a smart lad alexander what did your mother say mother was out when i came home with the summons and after mr wilson said he'd take it i didn't say anything to her then she thought that on the day before the new year you were at the office as usual yes snuffled master benker she did oh lor as the cab stopped before a tidy house in a quiet street here we are and there is your mother said the detective cheerfully as a severe face appeared at the white curtained window alexander wept afresh as steel paid the cabman and positively howled when the door opened and his mother a lean woman in a black dress with the widow's cap appeared he would have run away but that steel again had a hand on his collar alexander cried his mother harshly what have you been doing nothing very dreadful ma'am interposed steel it will be all right let me in and i'll speak for my young friend and who may you be sir demanded mrs benker bristling a personal friend of mr asher's on hearing this dreaded name mrs benker softened and welcomed steele into a neat parlour where he seated himself in a horsehair mahogany chair of the most slippery description and related what had happened alexander stood by and wept all the time he wept more when his mother spoke i expected it she said in a quiet despair that boy is the bane of my life i'll speak to you shortly alexander go to your room and retire to bed oh mother mother cried master benker writhing at the prospect of a thorough whipping go to your room alexander and make ready repeated the widow with a glare and the boy retired slowly wriggling and snuffling when his sobs died away and an upstairs door was heard to close with a bang mrs benker addressed herself to steel i hope you will induce mr asher to overlook this she said clasping a pair of lean mittened hands i am so poor i'll do my best responded steel that is if you will give me some information about your late lodger mr wilson why should i do that asked mrs benker suspiciously because mr asher wishes to know all about him you see your son allowed mr wilson to serve this summons and it is necessary that mr asher should learn where he is that's only fair but i don't know 
mr wilson has not returned here since he left on the day before new year did he leave any luggage behind him no sir he didn't mrs benker paused then continued i'll tell you exactly how it occurred if mr asher will make some allowance for the wickedness of that wretched boy of mine i'll see what can be done and use my influence with mr asher thank you sir said the widow gratefully well sir i was absent all the last day of the year as i was seeing a married daughter of mine in marylebone mr wilson was in the house when i left at ten in the morning but said nothing about going away when i returned at six in the evening i found that he was gone bag and baggage and that he had left his rent on the table also a note saying that he was suddenly called away and would not return have you the note asked steele thinking it just as well to have some specimen of wilson's handwriting mrs benker shook her head i burnt it she replied it was only written in pencil and not worth keeping i must say that mr wilson always behaved like a gentleman although i saw little of him he was queer in his habits how do you mean queer well sir i hardly ever saw him in the daytime and when i did he usually kept his blinds down in his room as he suffered from weak eyes even when he saw alexander in the evening he would hardly have any light then sometimes he would lie in bed all the day and be out all the night at other times he would stay at home the whole of the twenty-four hours but he always paid his rent regularly and gave little trouble over his food yes added mrs benker smoothing her apron mr wilson was always a gentleman i will say that humph thought steele taking all this in eagerly a queer kind of gentleman he added aloud did you know anything else about him mrs benker no sir she drew herself up primly i never pry never did anyone call to see mr wilson no one all the time he was here not one person called did he receive any letters no not one letter arrived queer murmured steele what newspaper did he take the morning post also he took the world truth modern society and m a p he was fond of the fashionable intelligence oh he was was he would you have called him a gentleman he always paid his rent duly hesitated mrs benker so far he was a perfect gentleman but i have lived as a lady's maid in the best family sir and i don't think mr wilson was what you or i would call an aristocrat i see so you were a lady's maid once in what families mrs benker was not at all averse to relating her better days and did so with pride i was with the countess of flint with mrs harwich and with lady susan summersdale ah said steele starting he remembered that morley had been concerned with lady summersdale about the robbery of her jewels did you tell mr wilson this he asked oh yes we had long talks about aristocratic families she repeated several tales she had told wilson and steele asked her many questions when he took his leave he asked a leading one did mr wilson wear a red cross as an ornament on his watch-chain he did said mrs benker and steele departed very satisfied with his day's work
End of chapter 9 Read by Celine Major